0: Broadcasting live from Business Radio X Studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Learning Insights. Featuring learning professionals improving performance to drive business results. Welcome to another exciting and informative edition of Learning Insights brought to you by our good friends at Training Pros. Lee, this is going to be a fantastic segment. Please join me in welcoming to the broadcast CEO with Workplace UX, Mr. Tom bradbury how are you man
1: good thanks for having me guys excited to be here
2: well tom before we get too far into things can we talk a little bit about workplace ux how are you serving folks
1: sure workplace ux is a consulting business that i started earlier this year and we focus on fortune 2000 clients helping ceos change the tech culture and and their business improve their business um and uh, it through ways to making technology more efficient, effective, and promoting productivity and collaboration.
2: Now, were you always in this
1: industry? I was, but it was a bit of a pivot. For 18 years before Workplace UX, I had Labrador Technology, an IT, audiovisual, um, design, and project management firm. And for 18 years, we helped um, sophisticated corporations relocate or renovate their workspaces, their Mm -hmm. workplaces. So we saw all the innards and guts of what had to be thought through and then designed and built. So we would understand um, a corporate's IT needs, audiovisual needs, and then design all the connectivity and systems and represent those requirements in blueprints and drawings that had to be integrated with the architect's drawings, the engineer's drawings that would be, quote-unquote, bought by a general contractor. Right. And they would be responsible for building out everything, and we had to make sure that the, later on the IT vendors would be able to kind of come in and plug their stuff in and everything would work.
2: And it would be a good experience for the users of the, all the technology. Well, it's funny you say that. You know,
1: Early on, um, we spent a lot of time providing value, in that space where we had a lot of access to clients Mm -hmm. and as technology really evolved more and more like um, impacted by the consumerization of it right Right. things really changed and what we did kind of got lower on the totem pole so to speak and we were very much commoditized less interviews for projects more bidding uh, like more the, RFP. More RFP, and even um, in the latter stages of RFP, decisions being made on the price per square foot, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, wow. So that was a big shift then? Huge shift. Huge shift.
2: Because initially it was very um, relationship-driven, and you were kind of understanding what they were trying to accomplish and things like that, and then at some point it became like, how much does it cost? This is just...
1: Right. Absolutely. and And the attention shifted very much to applications and what was happening (laughs) in the progression of technology in the workplace.
2: Did the decision-maker change?
1: When you say decision-maker, do you mean— Like who would hire you? Yeah, they did. uh, um, What would happen is people in and around the design and construction community would very much have input, whether it was the construction firm or the architects being hired or real estate and facilities professionals within the firms who were in charge of these Great, big, important projects, you know. So you
2: did that for 18 years?
1: 18 years, yes. And then you sold the business? I did sell it to a competitor in the space, Uh uh, the Clarion Group, a wonderful organization also based in New York City. And prior to selling it for the last um, maybe two and a half, three years, uh, what I had noticed or started to believe with that commoditization and with the advances of technology – I noticed that many of these very sophisticated global brands were making decisions about the technology they were um, investing in based on the construction uh, schedule and budget, right? (laughs) Because these are really big, important projects. that cost a ton of money. Um, The CEO and and the C-suite, all eyes are on this. Are we going to hit our timeline? Because the catalyst event is the lease Right, Right. When you have to be out and the penalties and now you're building the space of the future and you're hiring people, you know, carpet, furniture, never mind the space that you pick and how much you're paying for. And, you know, there's a lot of changes and there's so much gravitational pull to that process that it pulled all of the decision making, you know, was about this window. And I'm sitting here saying, you know, as my my space was getting commoditized and this process was changing it was very much about who who's seeing if these are the right things for this company right how are we connecting what we're investing in as a business right for my client's sake um with what they want out of their business what are the goals of the business right that's
2: kind of getting kind of pushed aside because somebody else is driving another part
1: absolutely so i
2: started to notice
1: this and within my former business labrador technology i started to market myself. A little bit more right like let to to beat the commoditization how can i come across better and um in a way that's more enticing to the end users and the people are thinking
2: about these things and then um so it's kind of you're going back to the beginning or the roots um are you having those kind of conversations that you have gone commoditized you're now bringing those back to the fore
1: Yes. I'll tell you, you know, and,
2: and, and they're not the same conversations right.
1: necessarily. But it's
2: but more, w- strategic you're more strategic and much more strategic right, than like, let me save a nickel on this and a dime on this. A hundred percent.
1: And, uh, you know, just um, earlier this week, uh, actually last Friday, I was with a new client, pretty big client moving in New York City. And I felt that. Right. I felt back in a position of being able to add value directly to a client. Right. Um, situation directly with the c f o and c o o right in a meeting, which was very different than where my place had pivoted right not by my choice but by the changing nature of the of, industry of, right of the industry
2: yeah so now for you um the the people you deal with are who in the organization.
1: So, tip you know, I will say traditionally through Labrador and and into today, that there are some pretty prominent roles still around these projects, you know, big um, workplace projects. You know, and, and by the way, a catalyst event could be that real estate, could be workplace transformation, and we're revisiting our culture and how we do things on itself. But a lot of times they do come as part of that lease expiration and new right. place. Um, it's, uh head of IT, head of real estate, um, head of HR are all involved, very involved in these workplace-oriented projects. CFOs will get involved. Sometimes you'll get a glimpse of the CEO. Um, But what I realized, even as I started to get to a point where I was ready and saw how to have more sophisticated, more valuable conversations for the end user, for the client, I said to myself, there are these swim lanes, really, HR, IT, and real estate that have the, the most profound effect day-to-day on the workplace, right? right? Um, but all of these people were only looking at their own agendas. That's why I call <laughs> them swim lanes. They're all really sof- sophisticated and successful people. They're looking right down at the bottom of the pool just between their lines. Right. No one's working together. And coming from tech, I started to have these um, conversations as part of my engagements with end users And really starting to see where all the misses were, right? Where people were launching, you know, different applications and tools, but it wasn't having the effect on the organization that was the original intent behind the investment because these swim lanes weren't talking to each other.
2: Because they're kind of siloed and no one's kind of looking holistically at the whole organism.
0: That's right. I, I love the imagery. And what you're describing to me is kind of a sales and marketing practitioner with a little bit of experience on the periphery of providing specialized knowledge and, and content to, to senior-level executives. What I hear you saying is you're having conversations with the head of this and the head of that. And How in the world does the whole sales and marketing thing work for you? Because as a salesperson, that sounds like nirvana. If I can actually have a meaningful, substantive conversation with these senior-level people how are you even getting to have those conversations? Well, I get to have those conversations. It's
1: whether they get traction or not, right? So what I'm really finding is there the you know, the bottom line is the workplace, and, and this is me saying this, the workplace is broken. The traditional corporate workplace globally, is broken because of these silos. On one hand, these silos exist so that a business can operate efficiently and effectively. But on the other hand, they get so siloed, and even at their leadership, the top of each silo, that um, unless there's some sort of convergence, you know, ideas and intentions and innovation gets fragmented, right, where intent gets lost at the door. So really, only The only person who can fisk, fix the broken workplace is the CEO right, and that's my primary target because that's the person who looks over the entire organization and has a great feel for the value right of changing the organization how how it has to happen throughout
0: right? so so when you enter into an organization your the, your first conversation is in one of those swim lanes right that's right so, so what I'm trying to get my arms around because i i mean this I've I, I fought this battle my whole life, yep. How do you get up the chain and, and get get to talk further up the chain? Is it just you have that good of a reputation, or are they reaching out to well, you? I think or? I
1: certainly have history, and yeah. I'm working on building um, the momentum so that um, leaders who want the change and are ready to oversee the change holistically are contacting me, and I'm obviously, through my marketing sales efforts, Um Directing my uh, my attention towards the CEOs and the people that I think I'm going to have the most effective, um, you know, uh, mode to produce value for them as All a right, but,
0: Okay, but you – and this, I'm going to say it like I, I know what I'm talking about, and it's really more of a, a, a theory or a hypothesis. I, I'm operating under the impression that although you may start in that swim lane, you know, a like mid-level HR transformation type person or whatever – you must be very good about exercising the discipline to, in no uncertain terms, communicate to that person. Look, we got to take this conversation deeper, wider, higher. You have to have the willingness, to, as opposed to just get caught up in a.
1: Yes, where I have multiple, I'm trying to serve multiple masters. Yeah, I mean, can right? you speak to that each, dynamic? Right? Yeah, it's tough. But, you know, um, a lot of these folks, very senior, sophisticated people. You know their their role. Is uh, and the way they're compensated and incentivized, right, is based on fulfilling their silo, their swim lane, right, right, right. So answering to them, to multiple of them, is very difficult, right? And trying to get to the CEO, in many cases, the CEO is looking at this as, you know, I don't want to be in the weeds.
0: Yeah, that's your job, that, Bill. I,
1: I have these people who do that, right, right. You know, that work for me, and they're all smart and capable. So you got to
0: stick to your guns, though, because have to stick it,
1: to, but to but my guns. But isn't it easy
0: to? I think it would be easy to cave in and just – it would be easy for me, I think, to just cave in and keep the conversation much lower than it needs to be if I'm going to provide real value and candidly command the fees I should command.
1: That's right. You have to stand your ground because I'm, I'm providing value. I'm, I'm looking at a business in a way that no one else is looking at a business right now, right? In, un, in evaluating how a business is communicating, collaborating – And getting a gauge on their productivity because you can go in and you can see some fascinating things about what's working and not working by understanding how what the reality is of using all of these tools to communicate and collaborate at a business. Right. And and, you know, the good news is, is only takes sometimes a couple of small tweaks to make some really big changes. But um, leadership doesn't always understand the reality of the things that are just missing the mark. You know, they understand what was launched, they understand what projects went well, what was, you know, what where you stayed to budget, right, where you went over budget. Um, and, you know, we have to be able to go to leadership and explain to them why something is needed, right, and what's the business value. When a CEO is in a boardroom with a board of directors at the biggest, the most sophisticated business in the world, and they're saying – We need to attract this type of talent and we need to, you know, um, retain that type of talent that's already here. That's the case. And someone starts at the business as a new employee and it takes them two weeks to get their laptop and email. How does that match? Well,
2: I find it fascinating that the name of your firm, Workplace UX, each of those silos sees Workplace and they're like, yeah, that's me. (laughs) right totally because the workplace for the guy that's (laughs) the tech guy there's a workplace for him there's a workplace for the hr person they see workplaces the people maybe and then the maybe the tech people see it as stuff not people that's right right? so they're all seeing they're all hearing the name workplace and defining it themselves in a slightly different way and you're trying to say hey everybody the workplace is bigger and broader it's all of us together and it's all got to work all together in order for it to really move the needle for the business and have the impact they desire. That's right. And um, and it, I'm sure that wasn't an accident, right? You did that on purpose to define – so that each person sees workplace and says, yeah, he's talking to me. But you're – ultimately, the CEO has to be in charge of the whole workplace that is the stuff, the people, the culture, the, you know, the tangible and the intangible.
1: Yeah, I want to match – three perspectives, or try to understand where the gaps are and, and better align them. That's the CEO and leadership, where they take in this business. That's the builders, IT, right. real estate, and HR. How do they look at it, right? Is the budget what they feel is the most important thing? Right. Are they getting that signal from the CEO or CFO? Right. right? And then, of course, the reality of the end users. Mm-hmm. This Which stuff are, actually doesn't but, work.
2: And it's, those are the humans,
1: those are the humans, <laughs> right? So we, the, everyone's investing in technology and thinks it's going to kind of take care of himself, right? The, itself, but it's not. So if you it, and uh, one perspective I like to th- uh, you know bring is that if you were going to hire someone to create a game for Xbox, you wouldn't you wouldn't just trust your guy in the back room to come up with it and then put it on the shelf at Target, right? You'd put you'd understand what people like or don't like about the game before it's at the, on the shelf right. at target we need to be doing the same thing looking at our business and understanding how technology and and using the tools is it, workplace the user experience for the workplace is the kitchen for the person who works at home you know sometimes or all the time the the road for the sales road warrior it's in the office it's in the cubes it's in the meeting spaces the shared spaces it's in all that Right? What's it like to work at any one of these organizations? Right.
2: And I, and no one typically is thinking of that in kind of that holistic manner? No
1: one's looking at it the way I'm looking at it from how is how are all the tools to communicate and collaborate and being productive work? Because if you ask any board member or CEO or anyone in the C-suite, tell me about the people you want to hire that that you need at your business for it to be successful – they're going to give you a list of attributes. What's ironic is much of what's outfitted from a communication and productivity perspective with IT doesn't support those same very attributes.
2: <laughs> wow. They just think it does, but in actuality, it doesn't. It
1: doesn't. Correct.
2: So now what's the pain that they're having where they're like, you know what, we should be hiring the or talking to the workplace UX folks? Like what's typically that symptom or the pain where they, they start even considering bringing you in? They'll get a sense
1: of it. Um, you know, some of the signs might be we don't have enough meeting spaces.
2: Oh, right? it could be something that simple. It could
1: be something really that simple, right? Like, but but really, it's what are our business goals, and is how we're working every day connecting with those business right. goals, right? And every um, CEO. Right, is looking at their business and where it's going forward, but it has to look under the hood. It has to not be under the hood, but it has to be aware (laughs) of how this car, you know, if you can say you have a Mercedes and it's got a beautiful paint job Mm. and everything, but if you're putting, you know, $10 $10 hoses underneath the hood to support that engine. It's, it's only going to last so long, right. right? It may
2: work today, but it's
0: not going to work next like month. A,
1: or it's not working to capacity. Right. right. Well, And
0: what happens in those cases, I can remember hearing the consultants from the my change management days years and years ago, the, the, the first crowd that leaves is your high marketables, right? So your very best are the, are the ones that are going to get fed up and can and do leave under those. When they find out the hoses are ten dollar hoses right then they go somewhere where they've got better hoses because they can and so it, it's your best people that you lose in those situations right absolutely you want great talent to come and you want them to stay. <laughs> you want them to <laughs> want them to stay it, I, right? I loved your example about xbox it, it hit home for me uh my my youngest has an xbox one of the games is a driving game and it was interesting. it's got a a, a toggle. You, there's two views to it. One, you're sitting in the car and looking through the windshield, and then they have something called sky view. And when you hit the button, I never know what button you hit, but one of the buttons you hit, then, you, then now you're looking at all the cars on the entire track, and you get a completely different view. And that's what I was thinking of when you talked about broadening the, the, yeah. the view for people.
1: And you bring up, an, it's almost like you know, a CEO talks about the business they run. How do you get that other look, right? right. If, if you're a CEO and you go give a speech right there's there's how it's occurring in your mind and through your own set of eyes when someone gives you back that that recording and you watch it right your how does your voice sound how do you think you're coming across right. it? how many times are you saying um that kind of stuff right so uh, similarly to what you just said getting that other perspective is huge and once you get that other perspective and you start to make those small adjustments which can have profound impact on productivity right There's a whole different mode of operating today where traditionally you have something like the the help desk that supports the workplace. Total break fix, right? But we have to change that. Now with uh, how technology exists and what people are used to and how they want to operate and exist at work, it's continuous enablement. So the analogy I like to use is like a gym – Right? The gym, it depends on you. Like you go to the gym and you decide that you're gonna get in shape. Right. You hire one of the trainers to work with you for an hour. Right. Right. And then that trainer works with you as long as you want to. Kind of right. like a break fix, mm-hmm. right? right? Like like uh uh um I'm feeling you know not great or I'm overweight or whatever it is, I wanna boom, and they work on fixing you. Whereas opposed to what about a gym where there's just trainers walking around and the And those trainers are in charge of just getting everybody in shape and staying in shape, right? So it's not here's how you use this tool or here's how you communicate or collaborate with people and you show them once. Way too many organizations rely on that where I told them, they know, they have it.
0: Oh, right. now you're hurting me because I've said those exact words. Right, but <laughs> it's not. But you're it's, right, you're right.
1: It's a marketing thing. It's a branding thing right. internally and at any organization. It's because you have
2: to truly want to help them get the outcome they desire. That's right,
1: Continuously. And then you have to
2: be building in systems that enable that to happen. That's right. All the time, not just you know, when they raise their hand and say it's not, or it's not working or they point to them and say, hey, we've got a fix bill. That's you right, <laughs>
1: that's right. <laughs> and we were talking about change management before right, right some right. of your experience and i think this enablement i know this enablement is the new future it's not just change management where there's an event and then there's x amount of time where i help them get to where they need to be right now it's and it's and it's, a, and it's all yeah, kind of
2: on demand and it's all real time right, That's right. it's not Every six months or every year we're checking in like that, that you can't operate in that manner anymore. Things move too quickly.
1: That's right. And then getting back to the swim lane stuff, right? You, you can't, as CEO, someone might hear this and call in their CIO or, you know, somebody, one of the swim lane leaders and say, I need you to do this. This makes right. sense. But they're going to do it in the context <laughs> of just their right. swim lane. Right. Right. So it's – I got three people on the enablement desk. <laughs> right. Right? Problem they've, solved. And, check and the, they've enabled check that out. five people today <laughs> within <Right>. eight <laughs> minutes each. Right? Like everybody has to work together. Right. Right? Like HR has to help develop the policies that support the systems. Real estate has to build out the facilities to be able to support – all that stuff has to integrate. They
2: all got to work together. That's all right, right. So this makes for a
0: fantastic article. Uh, I mean, having the transcript of this audio or listening to this audio – is insightful. I think it could be invigorating, inspiring. And I'm trying to envision real world walking through those big doors and actually trying to pull this off in a company of any size and complexity. Can you break it down a little bit, at least on the front end of an engagement, what are some of the first few things that might happen if a company, when a company engages you?
1: My initial um, engagement is getting time with the C-suite and leadership. Um, either in person or I delivered the package that they presented to the board on where they're going as an organization. Mm -hmm. Then I want to interview the builders, IT, real estate, HR, CFO. So you're going to all the the
2: lane leaders, right?
1: Right, but Mm -hmm. this is back to the three perspectives. The leadership's perspective, this is where the business is going. The swim lane leaders to understand how they're approaching their swim lanes with their agendas, what's driving their work. And then I want to go and run a bunch of workshops where I created a methodology that's asking them about how they use technology. But I'm flipping it a little bit where we used to ask them about the, you know, most organizations will talk about this from a technical perspective. Does your computer work? Does it does your wireless work? You know, it's worky, no worky kind of stuff, right? (laughs) Like, like what what's going on? And really, we have to ask them what's it like? So I've developed a methodology where I take them through about six prisms of experience, where I have a number of questions that I interview them on. And uh, just to understand, you know, what's it like? um, You know, I'll I'll start these interviews off with something like this to give you a taste. Uh, The light bulb goes off, you have to meet with three or four people in your team, in your department, in your business. What do you do? Uh, What do you mean? Well, what do you do? You know, oh, well, I have to find a room and reserve a room and make sure and I start to understand what it's like to be them doing that. Right. Whether it's using a space or how they're informed by their business or how they received uh, received training or support or what onboarding is like at the business. And when you start to match those day to day realities of experience up with how the swim lane leaders are approaching their job. And then overlay where the business is trying to go, you will see some pretty uh, silly things
2: now, uh, that happen in most is there, sophisticated but organizations. But sometimes you're talking to the CEO, and then you go to the lane leaders, and then you go back to the CEO and go and you tell them what you found. Are they shocked? Are they? I mean, are they like that's impossible? That can't be true. Like, are they? Do they push back? Or you have? I know you have all the evidence. Most to kind of
1: them of, kind of hold their cards to the vest on whether <laughs> on what whether they knew or not. Um, some are a little bit more forthcoming about it, forthright about, you know, being surprised or not, right? But what I'll say is the sense I get is that most of them know all the silly stuff is happening in their organization. Their attention is divided up into many things, and they're looking for a vehicle or some impetus to go and take care of it, right? Or And or they're, they're looking for ways to kind of... Um, Find a vehicle to get their other their direct reports to help them take care of it, right. to help them change it. You know, I've had one CEO tell me, um, "Oh, I love this. I w- I want to use it as like a uh, he he said weapon as a weapon <laughs> to keep my people from getting too comfortable in how they look at things and how they're approaching, right? Like this kind of will help them adjust and help them pay attention. And part of that is." If it's, um, you know, more than sponsored, if it's believed in and it's asked about by the CEO, it you know, um, she is going to get results, right? Because people are going to respond in that way.
2: Now, once it's implemented, now you're doing a lot of identifying problems. Do you take it to the next step where you're fixing the problems or is that somebody else? Once we else?
1: identify the problems and we want to help them um, understand Uh, options for them from both the strategic perspective as well as a tactical perspective. We might go in and there's, you know, whatever the impetus might be, we'll always identify some low hanging fruit. Here's how we can make some changes, which tells your employees right now you're invested in making this a better business. Right. And let's do the things that connect to your business outcomes, the desired outcomes. But it's also understanding what's right. Every business is different. Sure. Might be budget, might be culture, Right? You could be a very um, you know, traditional wealth management business. You might be a tech firm, okay. right? But you don't go the, the, the wealth management firm, although a lot of times um, different vendors might want to take, hey, I did Facebook. Come and see right. Facebook. The only thing they should be learning about Facebook is why Facebook did things they did, and let's let's find out why we should do the things right. we should consider, not doing
2: what Facebook right. did. So it's, it's very not different. A cookie cutter thing that That's works right. for everybody. Everything's custom to the you know the outcomes that each of your clients desire, but you help them actually kind of roll out some of these things so they yep. can shore up some of these, these weaknesses. Pro- yep.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, look at these options, help them understand what the implications and prioritize, might be. prioritize based on what they want to do as a business and talk through what right. um, what could Leave them, you know, where can we get the best results? What tweaks or small adjustments do we have to make to get the best right. results
2: that so we can start moving the and needle. then
1: help them through? And the biggest thing that happens at all these organizations, I always think of it like an idea or an innovation happens like an egg. And then we break it up and we shove it down each <laughs> silo and it comes out. and It doesn't look like an egg on the anymore, other right? side. Right. Yeah. So how do we maintain that intent? throughout that process right and you know that's a program management you know that's uh that has the ear of the people who know what the goals and outcomes need you know how they need to match
2: now can you share any success story where somebody kind of went through the system you don't have to mention any company names or anything but they went through and they had some change and it made some impact yeah there's a um let's see uh you know we're We've worked with a couple of
1: firms that actually went and hired based on our uh, recommendation a director
2: of enablement. Mm-hmm. That and that was so the first time they had never had that. Right. Role I mean, oh, just wow.
1: just thinking and cool. understanding how the help desk isn't isn't that it, they're stuck in that break fix. People who are awesome at help desk right. aren't the people that typically are going to say, you know what, I know your role. Uh-huh. And, you know, I think this other tool might help you communicate right. with these people, right. right? They're there to fix whatever's broken or tell them what they need to know on a tool, not what else might. And a director of enablement, well, you know, it can be that dichotomy because the CIO has many responsibilities. Help desk is one important. Security is very important. On and right. on and on. Right. But this enablement piece is another thing and you don't want it. You want it to be almost like bringing a consultant in, right? Someone who's not connected to the infrastructure-level projects that doesn't get that pulled right. away from what's best for the user. So that would be a great example of where, um, you know, we had influence on, on what could um, better the organization. And another uh, client that just swore up and down they didn't have enough rooms. Um, you know we it 's you know mapping back to some simple tools where it wasn 't that they didn 't have enough rooms it was that they weren't monitoring how people
2: reserve rooms. So people work unres- like five, you know, I'm yeah. going to block it for five hours. I only need it for 30 minutes. But
1: Or, you know, this is great. Let's <laughs> the three of us meet every Tuesday morning from 10 to noon right. for the next six months. <laughs> and it then happens they- three times, and then <laughs> and you're then- out sick, and you go on. And then we just stop doing it. But it's
0: been locked but down. It's still on the books. That's yeah. right. i yeah, yeah. But so many of these answers, I, I suspect... it. The, the fix, if you will, the, the answer, it's a moving target. It's the answer now, today. So in, in keeping with this whole continuous enablement thing, that's how and why you – I don't know what's the right word. You need a maintenance mode or you can't just do this one time and be done. This has got to be a, right. a mindset. Of, you, yep. you got to put energy. And
1: we're putting in. some cool um, ideas into more product mode on how we go in and check in and take their temperature, whether it be quarterly, a um, couple times a year. To go in and help them understand where things are progressing and where they're not, and they need to shed more light. Because one important thing is, I, you know, I, I gave a couple of in-the-weeds examples of what had has <coughs> profound, you know, think about, you know, I, I use that audio-visual example of the rooms, right? right? But if a goal is more collaborative work and bringing in people who work that way, because that's how they're going to change their, their company, and that's what their industry really needs, Right. Then it's not an AV discussion, mm-hmm, right. right? It's a business discussion. And too often, when you're in the swim lane, it's just AV. Why are we spending two million dollars on AV? Right. <laughs> well, how we map. So it's really important to be able to constantly
2: and you to know, help them on. connect the dots of how everybody. Well,
0: I'll working. tell you how my wheels are turning. I don't have the work ethic or the IQ to be a change management consultant. But if I were, I think I would want to be Workplace UX certified. Like, almost like, you know, like, here's my, here's, here's what I can do for your organization. And, oh, by the way, I'm Workplace UX certified. Any design on maybe taking the methodology to that level someday?
1: Yeah. You know, different people have asked me about... Um, the, something ha- like that? The F word that you, you wanted to avoid before? Uh, franchise. franchise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have talked about some sort of franchise. Yeah, licensing, franchise, something, yeah. Uh, Certification. I, I, I am very, um, you know, intrigued by that and right. how we can spread this because I think it's really important that I want to, you know, I'm focused more on training my clients to think this way. Right. But I think definitely on my agenda is how can I train other people, whether they work for me.
0: Or in internally. Right?
1: Yeah. Or you know, there's another business that finds this very useful in, in yeah. reaching their
2: clients, and we train them. Good stuff. So if somebody wanted to learn more and have more substantive <coughs> conversation, uh, where can they go? Website?
1: They can go to workplaceux.com, or they can look me up on LinkedIn. Tom Bradbury.
2: And then on your website, you have tons of blog posts and articles and white papers, right? There's a ton of information. There's a
1: there's a good amount. Um couple to a few handfuls mm-hmm. of um articles i've written um there's a white paper that if anyone wanted to have access to they should just message me on linkedin i'd be happy to share a white paper with them on something that i put together on on the broken workplace and some evidence some more evidence and data that we gather during um you know uh, a bunch of engagements that show us why we need the ceo involved right yeah. to, to change yeah. the organization yeah, so so it's cool
0: Well, it has been an absolute delight having you on the show this afternoon. Thanks so much for coming to join us, and and keep up the good work, man. Thanks, man, and thanks for having me both. Absolutely our pleasure, and keep us posted. Maybe we'll do this again. Maybe Lee and I will travel up your way or next time you come come to town. Yeah, it sounds like fun. All right, until next time, this is Stone Peyton for Lee Cantor. Our guest today, Tom Bradbury with Workplace UX, and everyone here at the Business Radio X family saying we'll see you next time on Learning Insights. All uh-huh. right.